the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Amen. When my wife Diane attended Catholic school in the 50s and 60s, Ash Wednesday was looked forward to as a spiritual contest. Trooped into early mass at the beginning of the day, the students received ashes on their foreheads and would spend the rest of the day trying to exercise self-control, for the ashes are itchy. Although not taught by the sisters, the school children had developed the belief that the student who had the most ashes left on their foreheads by the time the dismissal bell rang at 3 p.m. was obviously the holiest child in the class. Imagine their dismay when 3 o'clock arrived and inevitably the biggest troublemaker in the school had the most ashes left on his head. All the girls would get together afterwards in disbelief saying, we know we're holier than he is. Months later, in several towns away, on the feast of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, I sat in a synagogue awaiting my own spiritual challenge. The Old Testament required only one fast day each year, and this was it. Work was forbidden, and much of the day was spent in prayer at the synagogue. At a young age, the challenge of fasting from sundown to sundown, plus an extra hour or two, completely overshadowed any focus I might have had on work or prayer. Perfecting the self-discipline to successfully complete the fast was perceived to be the great task to be accomplished and accordingly became a source of pride. I had the strength, tenacity, and an iron will to do this. The fast had been conquered and was well on its way to life's been there, done that list. The pride of the Pharisees, it seems, is not limited to biblical times. Missing, of course, was any understanding of the purpose of the fast, cultivating a renewed relationship with God, evidenced by repentance, confession of sin, forgiveness, and restoration. As I learned when I was much older, and hopefully somewhat wiser, fasting in this manner does not glorify God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. In our epistle lesson from the Old Testament prophet Joel, we read that fasts were periodically proclaimed throughout history for the purpose of public discipline, to express corporate humility, mourning and repentance as a united community seeking God. Fasting was a test of faithfulness and made one prayer more effective. For God indeed is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and extends great kindness towards us. The Book of Common Prayer designates Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, as well, the, as well as the 40 days of Lent as fast days. To quote the prayer book, these and other occasions require a measure of abstinence as is, as is more especially suited to extraordinary acts and exercises of devotion. As we enter into the season of Lent today, what should fasting, abstinence, and extraordinary acts and devotion look like in our lives. The 58th chapter of Isaiah, the appointed Old Testament lesson for morning prayer for both today and again on the first Sunday in Lent is instructive. It was chosen because we find the prophet chastising those who fast with ungodly motivation for self-centered rewards. The Lord asks the rhetorical question in the Isaiah text, is this the fast that I have chosen? The answer is no, it is not. 
The prophet then details the requisite components of the fast that is pleasing to God. The fast God has chosen is meant to afflict the soul. Fasting is to be tempered based upon age and health factors. There's not to be a public display, a point of pride, or an opportunity for self-aggrandizement. It's something that God sees in secret. Fasting provides additional time and opportunity to grow in faith through prayer and contemplation. At the same time, fasting is not directed solely to God alone. There is also a significant element of human responsibility. Isaiah describes the requirement of loosing bands of wickedness, lifting heavy burdens, freeing those who are oppressed, giving bread to the hungry, bringing the poor and outcast into our homes, and clothing the naked. The prophet goes on to exclaim, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Our gospel lesson today begins the second half of the sixth chapter of St. Matthew, where Jesus is teaching on fasting. The first part of the chapter that we did not read has Jesus teaching on prayer and almsgiving. An early church father, St. Peter Chrysologus, taught that prayer, fasting, and almsgiving were really one. He said fasting is the soul of prayer, and helping the needy is the lifeblood of fasting. Out of necessity, we spend much of our lives inwardly focused upon meeting the needs of ourselves and our immediate family. The season of Lent provides us with the opportunity to see and respond to the needs of others. This is an integral part of God's chosen fast for each of us. As we begin our spiritual disciplines this day, remember, Lent is not a matter of human pride and fast conquered or in ashes that remain. Is a time to rely on God to strengthen us in our prayers, fasting, and almsgiving. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. 